Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, on July 26th at 3pm, I'm going to be hosting another Zoom History Conference. This conference is all about the Great Lakes White Hurricane of 1913. It's a really interesting story. Registration is $5 or free for my patrons. You can be a patron for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. If you'd like to register for the conference, you can. Just email me at craig at canadaehx.com or go to my website and click on register. Go to canadaehx.com. There were many important Indigenous leaders during the 19th century across Canada. And today I am looking at one of the most important in the prairies, and a man whose legacy stretches into today. He is Chief Poundmaker, and he is a fascinating individual. His name and his language, and I am doing my best to pronounce this, was Pitikwahanapiwian. But I will be referring to him as Poundmaker throughout this episode. Born around 1842 near Battleford, he was given his name for his ability to attract bison into pounds, which was a trap used by the indigenous to kill and harvest the bison. According to the oral traditions of the Cree, he was gifted by spirit helpers, and he would sing and drum a special song to entice the lead bison of the herd into the enclosure. The son of Sikkak Wayan, an Assiniboine medicine man, and the sister of Cree chief Miskawasis, the family was living near Great Slave Lake when his father would suddenly die. At this point, his mother took him and his siblings to live with her parents in the Red Pheasant Band, near Battleford. Soon after, his mother would die and Poundmaker, his brother Yellow Mud Blanket, and his sister would be raised by the Cree community. As an adult, Poundmaker would gain prominence in the Canadian prairies during the negotiations in 1876 of Treaty 6. He did not believe that the treaty was favorable to his people, and he was opposed to the agreement. He asked government how they could lay claim to the territory, stating, This is our land. It isn't a piece of pemmican, to be cut off and given little pieces back to us. It is ours, and we will take what we want. Unfortunately, other chiefs wanted to sign the treaty, and Powmaker would sign it as well. It was not that Powmaker was against the treaty, he was fighting for a good treaty for his people. He would say to Lieutenant Governor Alexander Morris, From what I can hear and see now, I cannot understand that I shall be able to clothe my children and feed them as long as the sun shines and water runs. After the signing of the treaty, he would split off from the main band to form his own band, and in 1881, the band would settle 40 kilometers northwest of Fort Battleford. In 1873, he had been adopted by Crowfoot, the chief of the Blackfoot, which greatly increased his influence. Crowfoot had adopted Poundmaker after Crowfoot lost his son in a battle between the Cree and the Blackfoot, as a means of replacing his fallen son. Crowfoot would give Poundmaker the name Wolf Thin Legs. As Poundmaker expected, the government did not fulfill its promises, and he became more critical of the Canadian government as a result. Poundmaker did what he could to adapt to the new life on the reserve, learning farming and even sending his son to be educated by priests. Unfortunately, most of the farms failed on the reserves, 
much like most of the settlers' farms did before dry land farming techniques were developed in the early 20th century. Robert Jefferson, the farm instructor on the Powmaker Reserve, would write about his interactions with Powmaker after the death of the chief. He would say that Powmaker was tall and good-looking, slightly built with an intelligent face, in which a large Roman nose was prominent. His bearing was so eminently dignified, and his speech was so well adapted to the occasion as to impress every hearer with his earnest and his views. In 1881, Powmaker was asked to accompany Lauren Campbell, the Governor-General of Canada, during a tour from Battleford to Blackfoot Crossing. The Governor-General was incredibly impressed with Powmaker, especially his knowledge of Cree culture and his philosophy as a peacemaker. With the bison gone and the farms failing, the Indigenous would invoke their Treaty 6 rights for food rations, but more often than not, they were denied assistance. In June of 1884, Powmaker and Big Bear, along with other Cree leaders, would assemble on Powmaker's reserve to form a plan of action as food and supplies were inconsistent from the government. To gather spiritual strength, they held a sun dance. The Northwest Mounted Police would disrupt the dance, searching for a warrior who had assaulted John Craig, a farm instructor on a different reserve. With 90 men, the police told Powmaker and Big Bear to hand the man over. Both refused, and while the man was found and arrested eventually, the two chiefs were instrumental in preventing a large-scale conflict at that moment with the Northwest Mounted Police. By the mid-1880s, the bison were nearly eliminated from the prairies by overhunting and government policies, which was increasing the starvation of Powmaker's people. With his people in desperate need for food, Powmaker traveled south to Battleford in 1885, just as the Northwest Rebellion was beginning. The oral history states that Powmaker went to the fort to speak with the Indian agent. At the same time, the settlers around Battleford had heard reports of large numbers of Cree and Assiniboine people leaving reserves and making their way to Battleford, and they believed the indigenous were coming for them. On March 30, 1885, those settlers began to seek shelter in Fort Battleford, and when Powmaker and his party reached Battleford, the town, not the fort, he was told the Indian agent would not meet with him. For the next two days, Powmaker waited, and the telegrams coming out of the fort stated that Powmaker was waiting to attack, which was not the case. Peter Ballantyne exited the fort and checked Powmaker's plans and found that Powmaker's intentions were peaceful only. There was also looting taking place of the town, now abandoned, and while the settlers stated it was Powmaker's people doing the looting, one observer said they had seen the looting being done by the whites. In fact, according to the oral history, the Nakoda people were doing the looting and Powmaker did his best to stop it. With no one meeting him, Powmaker chose to leave and set up an encampment at Cutknife Hill. On May 2, 1885, Lieutenant Colonel William Otter arrived with a force of 332 Canadian troops at Fort Battleford and requested permissions to, in his words, make Powmaker pay. He would take his force to Cutknife Hill, and they attacked Powmaker's encampment. To say that this battle did not go well for Otter would be an understatement. Unfamiliar with the land, Otter and his men had to ford Cutknife Creek, and in doing so, they made enough noise that a Cree man named Jacob with long hair heard them and alerted the camp. Otter then set up two cannons and a Gatling gun and began firing into the camp. At first there was confusion, 
and women and children were running for safety in the ravine. A group of Assiniboine warriors then charged Otter's men to stop them from killing the women and children, while Fine Day went to the top of Cutknife Hill to coordinate the attack against the Canadian militia. The method he used was to have the warriors fight in small groups. One group would charge forward and attack, then rush to the ravine, as another group of warriors were rushing out of the second ravine to attack. This prevented Otter from knowing how many indigenous there were attacking, and it caused complete confusion in the ranks. After six hours of fighting, Otter and the Canadian militia retreated, having suffered eight dead and fourteen wounded, while the Cree and Assiniboine, who numbered fifty to two fifty, suffered five dead and three wounded. Poundmaker had not taken part in the fight, but as Otter and his men began to flee, he prevented the band's fighters from pursuing the soldiers and killing them. His actions likely saved dozens of lives. He is said to have said to his warriors, They have come here to fight us, and we have defended ourselves, our women, and our children. Now, we let them go. In the New York Times, it would say across the front page, Defeated by Indians, Colonel Otter routed by Chief Poundmaker, which made it seem as though Poundmaker was a rebel looking for blood, when this was not the case. Several of Poundmaker's warriors planned to join the Métis forces at Patoche, which Poundmaker was against. Nonetheless, they left, and en route they captured a wagon train carrying supplies and took the men from the supply train as prisoners. Hearing this, Poundmaker would intervene to ensure that the prisoners were not harmed. A few weeks later, he would receive news of the defeat of the Northwest Rebellion at Patoche, and he would choose to surrender. Louis Riel had written a letter that contained Poundmaker's name, and Poundmaker was convicted of treason as a result and sentenced to three years in Stone Mountain Penitentiary. He would say to Riel, You did not catch me. I gave myself up. I wanted peace. Poundmaker's trial had lasted two days, and the jury took only half an hour to return a guilty verdict. During his trial, he would state, Everything that is bad has been laid against me this summer. There is nothing of it true. Had I wanted war, I would not be here now. I should be on the prairie. You did not catch me. I gave myself up. You got me because I wanted justice. Thanks to Crowfoot, his adopted father, and the power he held, Poundmaker was spared having his hair cut in prison. According to legend, Poundmaker stated, I would rather die than be in that place, referring to Stone Mountain Penitentiary. Father Lacombe, the legendary missionary who Lacombe, Alberta is named for, went to Ottawa to plead for the pardon of Poundmaker. Whether because of Lacombe or a review of the evidence that showed Poundmaker took no part in the fighting, he would only serve seven months. On July 4, 1886, he would die at the age of 44 from a lung hemorrhage while visiting his adopted father, Crowfoot. He was buried at Blackfoot Crossing, where his remains were kept until 1967, when they were reburied at Poundmaker Reserve in Saskatchewan. On May 23, 2019, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau traveled to Poundmaker Cree Nation and officially exonerated Poundmaker and cleared his name. This is a clip from that ceremony. In the hills of West Central Saskatchewan, on the reserve that bears the name of a revered and wrongly convicted First Nations leader, the Prime Minister arrived to set right a historic wrong and recognize a true legacy, something the descendants of Cree Chief Poundmaker have long worked for. Bonnie Allen was there. 
A symbolic climb up a steep hill. The same path government forces took 134 years ago to ambush Chief Poundmaker and his people. Today, the Prime Minister came in peace, armed with an apology and this. I am here today on behalf of the Government of Canada to confirm without reservation that Chief Poundmaker is fully exonerated of any crime or wrongdoing. Redemption at last, celebrated in a ceremony punctuated with poignant symbolic moments, like this handshake with the current chief. Long ago, a Canadian general refused to shake hands with Poundmaker. What happened today here we will never forget. Today, the Poundmaker Cree Nation continues to live on near Cut Knife. Poundmaker's grandnephew, John Tatusis, would become a prominent Cree leader as chief of his band, beginning in 1920. The Canadian government did not recognize his leadership, stating that a chief had to be at least 25 and John was 21. Nonetheless, he stayed on as chief and would serve as the first president of the Federation of Saskatchewan Indian Nations. In 1986, he would be awarded the Order of Canada. Powmaker's great-grandnephew, Gordon Tutusis, would become a highly respected Canadian actor and the founding member of the Saskatchewan Native Theatre Company. He would go on to appear as Albert Golo in 52 episodes of North of 60, as well as in several movies and television shows. He would win a Gemini Award and be nominated three times. In 2004, he would be awarded the Order of Canada. In the game Civilization VI, Powmaker is the leader that players can choose when they pick the Cree as their nation. There was a news story about Powmaker being in the game and the inaccurate portrayal of him in it. A First Nation in Saskatchewan is considering legal action against a California video game company over a new video game called Civilization VI, where the gamer can play an indigenous character during colonialism, but not just any character, Chief Poundmaker, who has been seen by many as someone who played a pivotal role in our country's history. To tell us a little bit more about why this story has made headlines, we're joined by Milton Tutusis, headman and counselor of the Poundmaker tribe. Thanks for joining us today, Milton. Yeah, well, yes, good morning, and thanks for having me on your program. Yeah. Milton, your voice has made quite the rumble across national headlines. Apparently, uh, it caught me a little off guard myself, but yeah, absolutely, we're, we're taking a stand. And um, one of the things we want to know is we, wanna, uh, we want you to explain to us why this is such an important topic for you and your community. Well, first and foremost, uh, we believe this is an act of cultural appropriation, and I had to learn really quickly what that uh, what that movement was about. And it's all online. There's a lot of information there about the uh, the Navajo Nation uh, taking uh, urban outfitters to task. Uh, there's a couple cases here in Canada, like the couch and sweaters in the West Coast, Vans T-shirts in the, on the West Coast, and even in my time. At least a decade ago, I was becoming more and aware, more and more aware of uh, indigenous cultures being expropriated and exploited and uh, misrepresented. Uh, for example, the N in the NFL, we have the Washington Redskins. There's been a lot of uh, academic scholarly work uh, as, as to why that's offensive and why uh, the NFL and the Washington uh, team should uh, reconsider using that name on an ongoing basis and so on. So again, it's uh, 
really an act of uh, cultural appropriation. We want to raise awareness about that. And Milton, I, I also think in watching some of the video game that it seems quite racist as well. I feel like, you know, you have Chief Poundmaker and, and he's going through this land through a time of brutality and violence of, of his people. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, we, when we first saw it, I thought it was actually kind of cool that Poundmaker, our famous chief, our iconic uh, leader, is, is in a game. But then when I, when I looked further into it and saw the trailer and started searching uh, online and Civilization VI and, and understanding the themes, like it's, it's still, these games are, are potentially very harmful to naive gamers, particularly young people, maybe millennials, uh, whoever plays these games. I'm not a gamer myself, but... Immediately, I, these, these thoughts came uh, across my mind uh, after some analysis, and that is uh, we're, we're still trying to work our way out of the tremendous, horrific, negative impacts of colonization, imperialism, these concepts of doctrine of discovery and genocide, uh, which is a very strong term that's been used, but it's been reused uh, particularly from the, the fallout of the Indian residential school experience here in Canada and indeed in the USA. So, again, it's uh, very alarming that uh, our chief, uh, first of all, we did not give consent as a Poundmaker Cree Nation government. Our elders uh, are very uh, not not happy that uh, Chief Poundmaker is being portrayed in a way that totally contradicts the values that he represents. In July 2018, for the first time since 1885, several personal belongings of Chief Poundmaker were returned to the Poundmaker Reserve and are housed at the Poundmaker Museum and Historic Site. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Canadian History X and our look at Chief Poundmaker. If you did, give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash canadaehx. You can find many videos I do on Canadian history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash canadianhistoryx. And you can visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history at CanadaX.com. Information comes from the Canadian Encyclopedia, Wikipedia, Virtual Saskatchewan, Biography.ca, The Star, The Plains Indians, Sask Culture, and PowmakerCN.ca. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.